Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Creation Innovation. Today, we have Gretchen Rossi. I am so excited to have her here. She's an OC girl, just like I am, which, you know, we all kind of have to stay true to our roots. And so I'm always happy to have another fellow OC girl here. And obviously, one of the former Real Housewives of Orange County. So welcome, Gretchen. Thank you so much. Nice to see you again. You too. I love last time I actually ran into Gretchen shoe shopping not yeah. that long ago. And of course she looks amazing and is as sweet as she is in, as she seems on TV. And we kind of run in similar circles. Yeah. And I will say that they're the one thing over all the years is every no one has a bad thing to say about Gretchen Rossi. Oh, I'm so, so happy. Thank you. Thank you. Because sometimes you never know, like when you hear things about people that we have this idea of and you're like, oh, darn, like, yeah. I really wanted to like know them. that they were a good person. Yeah, you know, no, I feel you on that. I feel you. I mean, listen, my philosophy in life is, you know, live with integrity and treat people with respect. And, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to get along with everyone. But at the end of the day, I but I take you know, my reputation import, it's important to me. So yeah. I hope that who I am outwardly just to everybody is, you know, the same person I am behind closed doors. So I'm yes. glad. I'm and glad. I can vouch for that. Thank Not you. only from my experience, but like I said, from others. So anyway, today we're going to talk about all the amazing things that you created, created sky being one of them and then your entrepreneur journey too and how that has gone i think a lot of people don't realize before all this fame and real housewives stuff came about you were actually very independent you still are but very independent doing your own thing entrepreneur kind of from the start so can you tell people a little bit about that journey of starting your own businesses and what that's looked like and how you've kind of pivoted throughout the years in different directions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's interesting because the world got introduced to me through Housewives. Um, and when I was on the show, they had a very different narrative that they wanted to portray, which, you know, being as young and as green as I was going into that show, um, I just, I really didn't realize what they were doing. I mean, listen, I know I was dating an older man, but for me, because I had been so successful on my own, I just didn't know that they weren't going to show any of that and that right. they were just going to make it look like I was, you know, basically like a gold digger. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, to be honest, that's what they like, you know, tried to show me as. Mm -hmm. um, but what a lot of people don't know is that I've always been an entrepreneur. I grew up in a home full of entrepreneurs. That's my family's life is they started their own business, my mother and father together. And um, so I've been surrounded by that my whole life. Um, I would say I you know, started working probably when I was 16 years of age. And when I got into real estate as a young, I think I was 23 years of age, um, as a young woman, I worked my butt off. I worked probably no joke, 70 to 80 hours a week. Mm -hmm. I was working for one of the top real estate agents here in town. And I knew that was important to do that. So I could really learn the ropes and really just, you know, get kind of a crash course in real estate. Mm -hmm. and so I started working for her and, um, did really well with her. And then I branched out and went on my own. And then, um, I actually was, in the top 7% internationally for Coldwell Banker. Amazing. Um, That's a huge company to yeah. be top 7%. Yeah. So, um, you know, I really did very well for myself, you know, at 26 years of age, um, back then, you know, this is almost what, how old am I? I'm old now, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago, almost, um, you know, I was buying my first home that was just under a million dollars. So as a 26 year old girl, I was doing very well for myself. Now, when I got yeah. introduced to the world at I think age 31, somewhere around there, 
they didn't show any of that. They didn't show that I had, you know, my, my previous, you know, credentials. They didn't show that I was successful on my own, that I made my own money. They didn't show that I owned my own home. It was all about Jeff and his lifestyle. So I think that people just put me in this box and didn't realize that I actually was very successful on my own. And that's part of the reason that Jeff was attracted to me was because, you know, I really didn't care about any of this stuff. I wasn't, I wasn't, impressed, you know, I was yeah. just like, oh, whatever, I can buy my own stuff. Right. So, um, so anyways, then the, second- but it is kind of funny. I feel like even how people assume even now, right? Like you're driving a nice car, you have a nice jewelry or whatever. And they're like, oh, she must've gotten it from her man. Yes. Right. And they kind yes. of discount the fact like, no, mm-hmm. I actually work really hard myself for everything that I have. Right. I so, well, and unfortunately I think a little bit of that is you know, the culture that we live in here in Orange County, a lot of people in this town, I mean, that's, I mean, it's like an ongoing joke with some girls that they, you know, they're just on the lookout for somebody that can, Mm -hmm. you know, afford them the lifestyle they want. And you know what, to each their own, like, good for them. If that's like their goal in life, go for it, you know, but for me, um, I've always enjoyed working. I've always enjoyed being a successful entrepreneur on my own. I feel, um, uh, you know, purpose in my life when I'm doing stuff like that and when I'm accomplishing goals. So for me, I really enjoy it. And even if I did have, you know, a sugar daddy or whatever you want to call it in my life, I would be bored. (laughs) I would legit be bored. So, um, but that's the thing in season two of housewives. I think that's why everyone's like, wait, who, what's going on with this girl? Because that's when I launched the Gretchen Christine collection. And that's when I started, um, really making the show, uh, it was a business decision for me. A lot of people are like, you know, they just want to be on a TV show like that for fame. And I really could give two craps about that. That wasn't the fun part to me. The fun part to me was the opportunity that I saw to really create a business. And a lot of people don't realize this, but I was cast on the show even before like Bethany Frankel on um, New York. And so I had already started a business and launched my business through the show. And did you have any idea kind of what the trajectory was going to be back then? Because Gosh, no. What the world is now yeah. and starting a business and having that opportunity to kind of leverage, so to speak. Right. Did you have any idea what that was going to be like? No, or not you were at just all. like, maybe this not can be a thing. Yeah. I, well, what was interesting, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. What was interesting is, again, I just, you know, have, um, you know, I have a good business acumen and I see opportunities and I, and yeah. I take those opportunities. And the truth is, is that I was every week receiving emails. Um, I think back in the day, it was either, I don't know, it was Facebook or MySpace or something. One of those, those platforms way back yeah. when. And they would every day be sending me messages saying, what lipstick are you wearing? Where'd you get your top? You know, where's your purse from? Where's this? And this was before the Like It To Know It platforms, any affiliate marketing, any of that yeah. stuff. And I realized that I was driving so much traffic to go sell this, you know, color shade of lipstick for Mac. And I wasn't making any money from it. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm capable. I can go create my own line. And I realized at the time that there was a, um, I was getting these emails from the fans that they would say, oh my God, I love your purse. Where's your purse from? And be like, oh, it's a Versace purse. And they'd be like, Oh, I can never afford a Versace purse. And that like hurt my heart. I was just like, oh, you know, because like you don't really think about that when you're now on this international platform. You're not yeah. really thinking about, you know, that. And so. And I, the bubble that kind of yeah, we live in, yes, un- unfortunately, to correct. a degree. Yeah, exactly. So I saw it as an opportunity to create a line of beautiful um, you know, designer like handbags with all the bells and whistles on it. And, you know, the small things like the little feet on the bottom and just all the stuff that you might find in a designer handbag, but at, you know, a much more affordable price. So that's where I started with that. And then I launched, um, I think I started with the makeup, actually, I started with the makeup and then I launched the Gretchen Christine handbag collection. Then we ended up, um, doing a bunch of collabs where I had a swimwear line and I had a shoe line. And I even collaborated at one point with um, Rolls-Royce on um, a Gretchen Christine Rolls-Royce. So there was just so many opportunities that I rolled that into throughout the years of being on Housewives. And it was great because, you know, there was built-in advertising. Nowadays, yeah. people are spending, you know, 30% of their, their dollars on marketing. And for me, I had a built-in marketing machine of this yeah. huge show that was not only here in the States, but internationally known. So that was, that was great. And, and thankfully knock on wood, you know, we were very successful throughout that process. 
And then once um, I left the show and everything, we kept, we kept doing it all. And then when I got to the point where I wanted to have a baby, I realized I can't keep up with this day in and day out rigorous work of, you know, cause I was doing everything from design to creation, to sampling, to manufacturing, to fulfillment, to, you know, running the employees, customer service, all this. Yes, I had people working for me, but it still was a lot to manage. There's a lot that goes into running any business. And yeah. so I, I looked at Slade and I said, I don't think I can manage trying to go through all this IVF, trying to have a baby um, the, the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial strain that, that IVF is, and it took us four and a half years, um, while also trying to run this business. So we were lucky enough that I licensed out my name. We found a great partner and, um, it's been nice because I still get residual checks from that is nice. licensing out my name, but it's been nice to kind of take just a step back and, and I got to focus on getting pregnant, which we did, thank goodness. And then, you know, I set myself up with, you know, a bunch of different streams of income so that I could be a real true stay at home, fully present mom. And that's what I've been able to do for the last three, almost four years now. That's amazing. So for anybody who's listening, who we obviously our regular folks don't have that platform that you have, but what advice would you give somebody that's like, God, I kind of, people ask me about this all the time, or, you know, I'm kind of thinking that I want to leave my day job so that I can be more present at home and whatnot. What advice would you give to somebody who's like kind of on the fence of, should I jump out yeah. of the nine to five and do this? Right. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I have a lot of advice on this. I should just start a course on this literally. <laughs> do it. I know. Right. Well, here's the thing. Um, First of all, I say never just walk away from your job and be like, okay, I'm done. Because as we all know, that's just silly, right? Like yeah. you can't just, you know, put your, your family at risk or any of that. However, right. um, you do need to just, instead of sitting there at night, instead of watching, which we all like to do or Netflix or this or that or whatever, you need to dedicate or commit to yourself that you're going to take one hour a day and you're going to work on whatever that side hustle might be. And there is so many things at our fingertips nowadays to have access to learn about side hustles. All you literally have to do is go to Google and type in most, you know, um, whatever, most popular side hustles of 2023 or most lucrative side hustles of 2023, whatever it is, there's a million videos, there's a million courses, there's yeah. a million opportunities out there that will open the floodgates for you to learn how to do a side hustle. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's not a quick, you know, get rich over, overnight. Right. You have to put the effort in some of these courses that you take are, you know, you're, it's 15 days or, or a 30 day commitment or whatever yeah. it is. And you have to sit there and really learn it. So you have to be committed to that. But it's interesting because for me, I feel like as we get older, you know, you go to school and you get all this education. And then once we're done with school, we never seem to like educate ourselves or keep ourselves up with stuff. So for me, I'm constantly challenging myself. I'm constantly putting myself back out into environments where I feel like I'm always learning, always trying to be on the cutting edge of what's available to me at my fingertips. Things are constantly changing. We have the biggest tool at our fingertips right here. Yeah. And it's, it's our crazy. Problem. I know. It's unreal hot. Literally, I'm sitting here and I will get a hundred emails of orders that I've come in from all different types of affiliate marketing or things that I put in place that I can make money sitting right here doing a podcast with you. And mm -hmm. so there is opportunities, but you really have to seek them out. You have to make sure that they're the right opportunities that you do have the bandwidth and the time to do it. But it's as simple as becoming, you know, like I can give you a really quick example. You can literally go to Amazon, which we all shop on every single day of our life. You can go to the bottom of the page and it says become an affiliate. You become an affiliate, you, you highlight that link and you start putting it on your social media or you create a Pinterest page. You can make money every time somebody clicks on that. I mean, it's so simple. You do that with Target, you do that with um, Walmart, you do all the places that you shop. And yeah. you just take a video of something that you just use yourself in your daily life and put it up on one of those platforms. I mean, it's so easy to make extra money. Are you going to become a millionaire overnight with that? No, but yeah. it's a matter of what, what, you know, life do you want? And then if you start creating that nest egg, and then you really start investing in the things that are truly going to start making you, you know, good money, passive income, which 
as we all know, real estate's one of the number one things to do that in, but you have to have the things in place to make those things happen. So there's just, there's so many opportunities out there. And people always ask me all the time, what do you do? I even got asked this on ultimate girls trip because like, what do you do for work? I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I do a ton of things. Like I, I don't even have time to explain to you everything. I, do. <laughs> I, have, I think I counted it the other day. I think I have 14 different streams of income coming in. And, and a lot That's of it's amazing. mailbox money that I, that I don't, once I've got the system going and rolling, I don't even have to think about it. So mm-hmm. there's opportunities, but you have to take the time to do it. Yeah. And I think remembering it's a long game, as you said, it's not going to happen overnight. So whatever it is, and you find your passion and alignment with, go with that. And then in the meantime, collect all these secondary areas that are the affiliates or whatever it is. Maybe that is your passion, right? right? But I think knowing that, I think statistically, they say it's two to three years for a business to actually get off the ground where you're actually making a profit and Absolutely feeling like red. yes yeah <laughs> so don't give up i guess is the bottom line as well but those are all really great tips so as far as your ivf journey because i know most of our li- listeners are on some sort of fertility journey give us a summary of kind of how that went down i know you mentioned it was a four-year process for you um none of us think when we're young that we are ever going to be going down this road right it is I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. Your daughter right now isn't like, maybe this is going to happen. However, now that we have this awareness and we talk about it more, which to me is all about education and everything for a collective worldwide, is that people do know perhaps this is going to happen. Our numbers just went down from CDC now to one in six from one in seven and one in eight. So unfortunately, we're not going in a positive direction, but I do think that we are able to affect change by having the education around that. And part of that is sharing the stories and being open about what we would do and what we wouldn't do and whatnot. So if you don't mind sharing your story, I know it's probably so far in your rear back rear view mirror now. Um, So if you don't mind digging that up a little bit and giving us a little bit of insight of what you guys went through and whatnot, because I think you guys started not from knowing that it was on your side, but you already knew that Slade was coming into the situation with a vasectomy, is that correct? Correct. Yes. So, um, again, you know, just to preface this, I was definitely one of these girls that I was 35, 36 years of age. And I was like, Oh, you know, I still got time, you know, it was one of those things. And I was very focused on my career. You know, I was in television and doing all these other things. And I just, it wasn't, I, I guess I did always think in the back of my mind, well, there's always IVF. And I didn't really know a lot about IVF. I just knew that if for some reason, I couldn't, you know, get pregnant. I knew that there was this backup option of like IVF, but like, I, I just, I didn't, I wasn't educated. That's really, did what you know was. anyone who had done it? IVF? Yes. I know a lot of people that had done it, but, okay. um, but for me, I was definitely one of the older ones in my group of friends that were, um, trying to have a baby, but it was, it was about age 36 that I finally said to Slade, like, okay, I really, we need to like really put all of, all of our resources into this and really make this happen. And yes, he did have a vasectomy. So we knew out the gate that I was probably going to have to do IVF or he was going to have to go through a reversal for Mm -hmm. us to even get the opportunity to try. Well, once we talked to the doctors, he said, you know, your best chances are, is really going through IVF. Reversals don't always work. It's a long surgery. So we just jumped right in and said, okay, let's do IVF then. So I went through my first round of IVF and um, it was great. Everything was going good. I was really excited. Um, we had got, I think it was 17 embryos and then Slade had to do a surgery where they go in and extract sperm out from him. And so we were both like in the surgery room at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then um, they, I think at the same time, yeah, at that, at that time that they extracted my eggs and extracted a sperm, they implanted them together. And then we had, I think it was 17 embryos, I think is what it was. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was amazing. We were so excited. And then, you know, the next day you wake up and they dwindled down and I think we got to 14 embryos. Now, mm-hmm. way back then, I didn't realize how 
and I, this is my personal opinion, this isn't medical advice, but I didn't realize how important genetic testing was. And that is my number one recommendation yeah. to people is to always get genetic testing. Because in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, I have 14 embryos. Like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. I was thinking to myself, I was going to have the moral dilemma of what the heck I'm going to do with right. the embryos after <laughs> right. that. You know, right. like, I wasn't realizing that just because I had 14 embryos, that that didn't necessarily mean that they were all genetically sound. So yeah. I, so I ended up, it was six hours before they were supposed to implant, um, the embryos or implant one of the embryos in me. And I remember getting the call from the doctor. It was like, it was pretty late at night. It was like, I don't know, 12 o'clock at night or something. Oh, wow. For surgery at six o'clock in the morning. And he's like, I don't even know how to tell you this. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And he was just like, um, all of your embryos arrested. And I was like, mm. what? Which basically means they all die. And mm. I was like, what do you mean they all arrested? Like, what are you talking about? So I went from being on this really, really high, high. I text all my friends and family. We, you know, got out of surgery. We we're so excited. We had all these embryos. Everything was looking good. I was going in for surgery the next morning. I had everybody praying over me and, you know, yeah. the implication to, I had no viable embryos and that just broke me. I mean, it just was so devastating for me. And I was very upset and you know, I don't ever like to speak poorly about any doctors or anything like that, but I do think that there possibly might've been something else going on, um, with the embryos, um, then was, then was fully being, you know, explained to me, if you will. So, right. um, so we did it's just too much of a coincidence that, yeah, all so we did speak with the embryologist and he did mention something about that. My estrogen levels in my eggs weren't weren't the correct amount for them to be viable. So hmm. who knows? But okay. the point being is that we lost all 14. So hmm. that just really took me down because, you know, in my life, like if I want something, I go for it, I go hundred percent and I normally can make it happen. So the fact that like this didn't happen and, you know, you just go through all of this, you know, um, all the shots and it's financially, um, draining it's, it's mentally draining. It's physically yeah. incredibly draining, um, spiritually draining. And so to, to look down at your body and see, you know, how bloated you are and the weight you've gained and, you know, your face changes because you're pumping yourself with all these hormones. And it's like, you have all these war wounds and you have nothing to show for it. You're like, why did I just why did I just go through this? Like, this, this is horrible. And I don't know about you, but like, doesn't, when you take yourself back to that moment, like, can you just remember it like yesterday? Oh yeah. Like okay. for me, I remember getting the call. I was in the line at the DMV. The doctor called me and I was like, wait, yeah. what? What do you, yeah. you know, I remember what I was wearing. I remember yes. what I was yes. like, whatever. Yes. Those are like the bottom of my stairs in a robe. And when he told me, I like fell on the ground and just started crying. I still feel yeah. you. I just yeah. got goosebumps when you say yeah. that. Yeah. It's such a, people don't understand the gravity of this, the situation around IVF. The Mayo Clinic did a study in 2013 that showed that somebody who's going through it is the same as a cancer patient. Like it's that, yeah. yeah. Um, Harvard has done studies on it. And so when people are like, oh, I'm going through IVF, it's not just like, oh, I hope it goes well. Like we really have to get into the, the knowing that these people are going through something so, so heavy uh, through their relationship, finances, all the things, right? Um, like, and oh, look at this, my hair is like standing up because it's so yeah. true. I mean, you know, we, we talk about it so, you know, tongue in cheek, right? It's just like you, you, you almost just learn to become resilient and just be able to just share the story. But the truth right. is that there's so many tears and so much heartache. Right so much sadness and so many dark days, right? That your, your closest friends don't even realize that, you know, that you're going through and, and it's not until you actually really share it or, or explain it to them that they're like, I had no idea, you know, that yeah. they just really don't, people don't really understand the gravity of, of how difficult this thing is. And honestly, what you just said, not that I want any of us to feel like, you know, what anybody, I don't want cancer patients nor us to feel the way that we're going through, yeah. going through, but at least it, it gives some validation to those emotions because it is so intense. Right. Cause you, you kind of like, okay, pick up, move on. You know, I got to work today. I got to do whatever. And you yes. don't give yourself that grace that you really should have during that time. And even if you are talking to your friends, most people don't 
still understand what it's like until you've been through it, right? And that's where I think coaching and all of that kind of aspect or therapist that's been through it that can relate to you can really help through that process. But again, just being open because we're like, oh, that sucks. They're going through IVF. But like, I guess take it one step further and realize it's actually much bigger than we think the ups and downs and the waiting for a call every other day of like, is it fertilizing? Is it not? Is it day five? Is it this? Is it, you know, there's so many things throughout the journey. Yeah. You go, you go such on a up and down, um, you know, emotional, uh, it's weird because I even went and had a brain scan by a doctor oh. because I felt like I just had a lot of like PTSD. A lot of it yeah. is housewives. Don't get me wrong. But, um, <laughs> but I do know that, you know, going through that of four and a half years, I mean, it is, it is just a very arduous, um, thing to go through. I mean, I don't wish this honestly on my worst enemy. I mean, it I know. Really is so difficult. It's difficult on your relationship. It's difficult on, you know, your friends and family because they don't really know how to help you and make you feel better. And it, it doesn't seem to matter what anyone says, it right. doesn't make it any better. So it's just a hard thing. And you feel like people kind of start to pull away from you because you feel like they, they really are at a loss of what to say or what to do. And and then Mm -hmm. you feel very alone and you feel just, you know, sad for yourself or it's difficult when, you know, all of your friends are getting pregnant, just so easily get pregnant. And you're like, why Lord? Or then you see some, you know, crack addict on, on the street with the baby and you're like, okay, come on, God. Like, I know you gotta like be somewhere. Feels like a bad joke. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So I feel you on that. And Um, and it was, it, what ended up happening after that first round was it really was just so hard on me that I looked at Slade and I'm like, I can't do this. And, and part of the reason that I really couldn't do it anymore was because, or I needed a break, I should say, is because I had a massive reaction to the progesterone, um, uh, like major highs, just really bad reactions. So mm. I was just miserable. Like I was just really in a lot of pain. The shots hurt so bad. Like, yeah. and I'm worse. Like I can't, like, this is why I've never had plastic surgery because I'm just too much of a wuss. Like I just, everything hurts me and nothing, you know, whatever. So, like my hairdresser can't even brush my hair. That's <laughs> so, um, so I just looked at Slade and I'm like, I need, I need to take a beat. Like this has just been much harder on me than I had ever anticipated. So we waited about a year and a half. And then, um, he came to me for my birthday. It was my, it was my 39th birthday. And he said in my birthday card, he said, I love you so much. I don't want to make you go through IVF again. I know how important it is for you to have a baby. I'm going to go and get a reversal. I have my appointment set for December 2nd. And I was like, oh my God, this man loves me <laughs> because yeah. um, a lot of people don't know this, but getting a vasectomy is really easy. Doing a reversal, not so easy. Right. It's about a five and a half hour surgery. It could be longer if, if there's some issues while they're doing the surgery. It's about a 12 week recovery overall. And it's just- And don't they also say like it, it may or may not work okay. even? Like- 100, 100. Yeah. And majority of the times it doesn't work more than it does. And we were with um, one of the most renowned doctors that people fly all over from around the world to come to him because he has such great success stories. And the surgery went really well. He didn't have any blockage. So he was able to reconnect the vase right right at the spot. So we really thought that it was going to be a success and we were very excited about it. And, you know, Slade and I kind of had the joke of like, okay, well, at least we get to try for another year, you know, and just like try to make fun, fun with it, you know? So, um, so throughout that process, we kept receiving the news that when he would go in and get tested to see if there was sperm there, there was none. And it just, Mm. it just kept getting more dire and dire. And I realized on my 40th birthday, because we, we decided to give it a full year, you know, to see if it was going to work. And on my 40th birthday, I just bawled my eyes out. Like, I just was so sad. I was so like depressed, like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm just not meant to have right. biological children. And I think that's another aspect, Gretchen, to interrupt you real quick, is when you are older, that yeah. people don't understand, like, there's this other layer of heaviness through the process yeah. of like, I don't have the time to be yeah, you know, yeah. doing this. And yeah. or if I do take the time, I feel guilty and I don't right. have the time to grieve or right. like time, time, time is 
yeah. like such a heavy thing for us that had babies over 40. Well, and not to mention that that in and of itself, that constant like um, mental anguish that you're putting yourself through is not good for your body. It's not yeah. good for your mindset. It's not good for, you know, the positive thinking that we really do need to be putting into our bodies so that it does do what it needs to do. Yeah. You get stressed um, about being stressed because yeah. you know you're not supposed to be. One hundred. But it's like, how can you not when you're forty years yes. old and you're like, oh my gosh, is this going to happen? And then when you really start reading those statistics and they're like, okay, so you're born with as many eggs as you're going to have. Oh my gosh. The most fertile you're ever going to be at age seventeen, and then by age thirty-four you lose half of that production. By thirty-nine, half of that, and then by forty-two you're done. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, I know. So Thank you, but no, thank you. I don't need to hear that. <laughs> and, I, and I've always been like, ah, oh, whatever. That's not me. That's not yeah. me. The truth is, is it has nothing to do with how healthy you are or what you are. It is just the bio, biological clock of how God made women's bodies. It just is what it is. And, you know, some women, you know, have been fortunate enough to still be able to have viable eggs later on in life. But majority of the time, you just don't see super viable eggs after yeah. that. Certainly not as easy as it is when you're younger, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I wake up for my 40th birthday. I'm so depressed. I'm so just sad over, you know, everything going on. And I was just like, I got to get back on the saddle. Like, I don't have a choice. Like, as much as I don't want to do IVF, I don't, I don't have a choice. If I want to have a biological child, I've got to try again. Right. And you've got to literally pick yourself up by the bootstraps and you got to go, okay, I got it in me. I, I got another round. Right. And so, um, we did. And, you know, the story of that is probably a whole other podcast, but it's a pretty incredible story of how we got to the doctor that we got to. And I just feel so unbelievably blessed that we got to Dr. Suri, um, at Southern California reproductive center. He is, he literally is one of the godfather founding fathers of IVF. And he is just has so much of the latest and greatest technology. And the thing that I love about their facility, and at least my personal experience is you are not just another number. And I know this sounds bad, but I'm going to say it. I feel like when there's doctors out there that aren't, um, I don't, I don't want to say this, this is going to sound really bad, but he didn't need my money. Let's put right. it that way. Yeah, but for he, sure. He was already well off. He already, he, it's like, he didn't need me to go through 10 rounds. It's like, right. he wanted me to get pregnant on the first round. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right. His goal is for me to be pregnant, not to have me come in and make money off of my emotional state of just wanting a baby so bad. Right. And I think that's huge. And I think there's a lot of unscrupulous doctors in this space. And I think you have to be very cautious of that. And that's why one of those things I always recommend is this genetic testing, because I think any doctor that isn't telling you that you need to genetically test your embryos, I don't think they're doing right by their, by their, um, I agree. What call us custom clients. What, what, what are we patients? There we patients, go. Yeah. I'm like, what are we called? But <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so that's why I really loved him and his facility and everybody in there. They just took me under their wing and his operation was like going to college versus the last operation, which was like, I was in kindergarten and there's wow. things that make that's so different. That's and a huge statement. That's a big yeah, difference. There's a really big difference. And I, and again, no, like, no like negative towards that other group because I think they were doing the best with what they knew. But I feel like because Dr. Surrey was on the cutting edge of every piece of technology, he, he invested in it. He spent the money for his facility. He had an in-house lab, which I think is a very important piece of the puzzle as well. If I'm giving you know, suggestions, I really think yeah. it's imperative you have an in-house lab that they can do genetic testing there. They're not, they're not having to move the embryos, send them out because there can be a lot of damage that happens to your embryos in that process. Um, you want to know about their facility. You want to talk to the embryologist if they'll allow you. You want to know how, how they're storing it, what, what, you know, formula they're using to store it. Now, a lot of people, you know, will be like, yeah, we don't give out all that information. But for me, those things were really important to me. And I made it known to the doctor. And those are the things that I did. And I think advocating for yourself, right? I think most people just assume, well, maybe Gretchen can do it because she's Gretchen right. Rossi, right? right. But right. most people don't ask, right? Yeah. So 
ask first of all and yep. let them know why you're asking and you know that you're doing your due diligence to know where you're investing your money and your future right like you're paying them a lot of money to do this yeah. and i feel like people don't advocate for themselves enough because we do kind of get sucked into our clinics because the people are so nice and you see them all the time and you feel right. kind of bad if you go somewhere else right. it's like right. cheating on your hairstylist no, I know. but at the same time you have to do what's best for you and follow that your gut intuition and, and ask those questions and there should be nothing wrong in that and maybe there's certain criteria in order to speak to the embryologist or see the facility but that's fine just abide by that and then do it that right and i agree with that and again you know if you go to scrc you don't have to because i can vouch for them it's all good <laughs> but if you're anywhere else i think that you should definitely ask those things and here's the thing if they are being weird about it to me that's a red flag because if right. they don't have anything to hide then why wouldn't they allow you to talk with them or go look right or ask certain questions you know right Right. It's just another day in the office for them. And for us, it's, you know, the beginning of the rest of our life and what our family future is going to be like. And that's a big deal. And beyond that, I think the thing that a lot of people don't realize or don't um, care about, which really hurts me um, when I say hurts me, like hurts my heart when I saw this. And when I kind of really started to learn more about IVF is that, you know, there's so many people out there, like, see, I get so emotional when I talk about this, but there's so many people out there that literally have to mortgage their homes, yeah, get three jobs, you know, just redo everything in their life just to have the chance right. to try. And so the fact that some of these doctors are unscrupulous and they don't really care and they don't even realize that these people are doing everything just so that they can have the joy of having a baby like oh that makes me so mad you know i, I know. just feel so angry about that because it's just like you know i'm i do very well for myself and it was still financially very draining and hard so it's right. like i can't imagine just the average person you know, trying to make this happen or their parents are giving up retirement funds or just all the stuff, you know? So right. that makes me just frustrated. You know, I get angry about that. So it is frustrating <laughs> and many different countries have different laws about it and yeah. pricing and stuff too. So do your due diligence on that too. And there's a lot of grants and there's a lot of yeah scholarship things that are out there and whatnot we have a whole resource page for people that if they're looking for what's available we can help you to start to do some of those that digging of what yeah, you can so possibly hard. do but yeah. yeah it really is a crazy situation that especially here in the states of the just the yeah and it makes me crazy about insurance like don't even get me started about insurance around that like yeah i was to the point where i was like you know going to start lobbying and uh, DC for all this. And, it, yeah. you know, once I got into really digging into all that, I just realized, oh my gosh, like this is like beating your head up against a wall because there's just so many politics and so much stuff involved in all this that I really didn't have the bandwidth to fight. And, yeah. And before. Um, just, you know, by myself, I would have to have, you know, some big people behind me to make that happen and big dollars right. to make that happen. But, you know, just the insurance that, that doesn't cover things. And, but you're right. There is there is now a lot of resources. SCRC has some great payment plans, um, and uh, you know I know that there. I can't remember the name of the company right now. I wish I could remember it. Um, but there's a company that actually works with um, corporations, where the corporation actually has some sort of like um, I don't know what you call it, but like a, a fund or something that they do for their employees to like have have coverage on the IVF side of things. So there's yeah. some really just great opportunities that are now out there. And some I know some young, you know, kids that are now going and getting hired at Google are like, do you have this available to us? And like that's part of their like interview process. A hundred percent. As it should be, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you can do it and even Starbucks working part-time they offer full fertility benefits. Oh, the UMC? This is so yeah. great. I love to hear that. That's amazing. Yeah. So there are options out there. You just got to like do some digging to see yeah. where you need to be, what you need to do. And by all means, why not apply for the jobs that have that as a benefit? Because yeah. it I mean, is- It's so different than going in and saying, do you offer maternity leave and pay for that? Like, why is that? You know what I mean? Like, it's the same thing. So- 
I think oh. that's great. I, I love right. it. Again, this is about advocating for yourself and for what it is that you want in your life. So, yes. Well, we know that you have your beautiful daughter. So it yes. was a happy ending. Yes. Right. Um, I'm assuming from that second round. So we ended up doing technically three more rounds. So, oh, oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. So I did one round. We had, um, I think it was six embryo, seven, seven embryos. And then one of them out of all seven, only one came back genetically sound. And this is kind of like a cool story. So I want to share this Yeah. because this is where my faith and just, you know, God having a hand in everything comes in. I mean, his hand was over this whole thing from day one, just how we got in touch with the doctor and how everything worked out. And as I said, that story is so incredible. It's actually on my podcast, not too taboo. I think it's called like miracles or something like that. Okay. Never went, wanted to listen to that, but we'll link that in the show notes too. Great. And so thank you. And so, and I only say thank you because I want people to have hope because me too. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. So we had access to go in and watch actually the embryos grow on the screen oh, and divide and all that. Yes. I, okay. I, it's, 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 it's something Ixky like with, Ixky. yeah, I always mess it up. Uh -huh. So we went in there and we watched all of our embryos, you know, literally from the sperm going into the egg, the whole thing. It's amazing. And develop and grow. And it's like unreal. Right. So you're seeing all this and all seven, except this one was not, you know, doing beautifully and, and splitting properly and all that, all of them are. And I was like, wow, you know, we're going to have like a, maybe a lot of like viable eggs. And it was so strange because the one that looked the worst, that wasn't doing good, get what it did. It literally when it goes from two cell, it splits from two cells to four cells to eight cells, and then continues to split from there. That's how it does it for whatever reason. Yeah. It went from two cells to five cells. And typically when it goes from two to five, it's not a viable egg and it will die off or, or embryo and it will die off. Mm -hmm. Mine went from two to five. It self-corrected itself, wow. pushed out the bad cell, went back to four and then developed into the only genetically sound embryo. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So you tell me there's not a God involved in this process. And I might have something to say about it because I saw it before my own two eyes on the screen going, wait, what? Like, how is that? How did that? I have like full body goosebumps right now. Right? It was so. It's incredible. Yeah, it was really cool. So then, and my embryologist even told us, he was like, wow, I've, I really have seen that like maybe one other time in my 30 year career here. Get this second round, we get 10 eggs, same exact thing happened with one of the embryos, self-corrects itself, wow. comes back as the only viable egg, I, 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 I'm embryo. I'm like, Wait, what? He's like, this is like, I've never seen this in my entire life. So we still have that embryo on ice. Okay. So I'm just like, what the heck? I could not believe it happened twice. The embryologist was completely like shocked about it. And so I was just like, wow, you know, I, these two things are like miracle babies. And I yes. don't know if we're going to implant the second one, which I'm so sad to say that because I just don't know yet. Like I'm just worn out <laughs> from all this. I don't know if I have it in me. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot. So we'll see, but it just, it's really special that, you know, I have these really fun stories to tell about my Skylar Gray. Cause it's like, yes, she was meant to be here no matter what. Absolutely. The, it, it is so amazing, right? The whole process and the fact that we live in a world right now that it's yeah. even possible to do that. It's, it's, uh, it's I awesome. I know it really is. Praise the Lord that there is Yes. Sort of things for, you know, people that are having a hard time. And I think the hardest part is, you know, when, when these people really don't know, at least for me, I knew that, you know, when the doctor examined me, he's like, look, it looks like your, um, what do they call it? Your reserve. It's ovarian yeah. reserve. So he's like, you look great. Everything looks great. So thankfully I still, you know, seem like my eggs were going to be decent and viable. But, um, you know, I knew from the very beginning that like my biggest hurdle was <laughs> the fact that Slade's sperm couldn't right. keep me just naturally. Right. So, um, so, and then I also 
you know, even when I got the one embryo that first round, I remember I was really sad and I was just like, I can't believe I only got one. Like, you know, like what? And he's like, Gretchen, you don't understand. Like that is huge for you to have one. And I was like, what? He's like, the statistics are like basically zero at your age. He's like, the fact that you got one, you're so lucky. And I was like, wow. So it's just, yeah, I think that's the other misconception is people don't understand the whole attrition process, right? You said you started with however many, and then you get to one and people don't understand what happens from A to B (laughs) between there and, and what, well, and a lot of times too, you know, we're, we're really not educated on this and, and, you know, you have to, I, I really encourage anybody that might be, you know, doctors or nurses or whatever out there. I mean, they do this day in and day out every day of, of the week. And so for them, they don't even think about like having to like explain this to anybody, right. but, you know, we all come in there with, you know, like just deer and headlights going, wait, what? And then yeah. what happens? And we have to wait six days to find out if it goes there. What blastocyst? What are you talking about? Like, so foreign to us, and so I do wish that there was, you know, just something that could re- like even if it was just a video explanation, something yeah. that somebody like going through all the different stages and what you're going to go through or whatever, something. Yes, and I think that's where now coaching comes in for yeah. a big part. When we were going through it, it wasn't really a thing, right? Yeah. I remember asking my clinic, like, "Who do you have to help us through this process?" As I'm like crying with the phlebotomist taking my blood, like this poor lady, right. and they're like, "Well, you can call Resolve." I'm like, "No, like I need no. somebody who gets it." Wait, who's Resolve? That's the that's Resolve.org. Isn't that the company that does the um the lobbying and stuff? Yes, right. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yes, that's the company I was talking with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So yeah, it's, I mean, I think we're making some steps to the right direction of people getting educated and knowing the process as they're going into it, but I, it's still, we're at the bottom level. And to just re- re-emphasize Gretchen's point on making sure you're with a good doctor, these clinics are popping up like hotcakes across yeah. not even the United States, but around the world right now. So you really need to do your due diligence and vetting them out to make sure that they're not just in it to take your money. I've heard radio ads where we guarantee, you know, IVF guaranteed that no, don't go there. <laughs> you know, with that. Yeah. you need to make yeah. sure that you're vetting them and, and doing your due diligence there. They but actually give a guarantee that they're going to get you pregnant. Yes. I almost took down the phone number. If I wasn't r- driving, I was going to, to be like, you should not, that's, that's not okay to be giving people this false hope of what well, they're doing. Wow. And that like concerns me. Like, are they using somebody else's embryo? Like that's, I know like you can't, there's not even actually a way to guarantee that. Like there's no way to actually guarantee that. So that is like false advertising. If I've ever heard something in my life. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I think that unfortunately it's, it's such an industry that people are so desperate to have that baby. And they're like, because of that, they're, they're, they're taking advantage of the vulnerability of them wanting a child so badly. And that's part of the issue. I mean, the only thing I think that maybe makes sense in that situation is that they're saying, we guarantee you'll get pregnant or you get your money back sort of thing. Like that maybe makes sense. But like, I just, that's really weird because you can't guarantee that (laughs) you can't like what you're not God. That's not going to happen. Exactly. And, and any of the top doctors won't be able to give you that, you know, because they're, Yeah. yeah. So watch out for, for everything that's out there these days around it, but don't give up hope. Yes. You know what? That is so the truth. I mean, people always ask me like what kept me, you know, afloat and what kept me going through the whole process. And, you know, I don't know how really to explain it other than, um, well, first and foremost, it was my faith. My faith absolutely is what sustained me through that. If I didn't have a relationship with, um, Jesus and, and, you know, with my Lord and savior, I don't think I would have survived that or would have kept through. Yeah. Um, you know, every day I recited the Bible verse for Samuel's, what is it? Second to something about, you know, for the desires of your, for this child, you have prayed and I have granted you the desires of your heart. It's mm-hmm. like, I just stayed focused on constant affirmations, constant, you know, um, staying in his word, listening to his promises. Um, and so that was like my first, you know, key thing that I did. Um, I really, it's, 
it was so important that I surrounded myself with positivity and good people in my life and people that were always just uplifting me and not saying like, you know, you've tried it too much, give up, or it's time to move on or whatever. Like I didn't allow any of that in my life. And if there was any of that, those people were exited from my life. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying, listen, I do believe that there is a time and I do believe that there's, it's okay for certain family members to come to you and say, I see that this is like destroying you, your marriage, your life. Like you got to step sure. aside and like give up because this is too much. Now I get that point, but what I'm saying mm -hmm. is in the process of where you really are trying and like you're yeah. through it, like you just yeah. really want to make sure that you have positivity around you. I tried everything from acupuncture to, you know, just really healthy eating and living and all of that stuff. I did it all. And I think, yeah. it's, I think it's okay to do it all. And you know what? Why not? Why not make ourselves healthier and, and in a better yes. position? And you can look back and say, I did do it all, right? Yeah. If you walk away from it with nothing, you can at least yeah. say, I gave everything that I possibly had, you know? 100. And I do, yeah. and I say that with the caveat of you do it within moderation. Don't make yourself crazy and don't right. beat yourself up. Always have grace for yourself throughout all of it because, mm -hmm. you know, doing falling off the wagon for a minute or doing something that you're like, oh, that's not going to make or break it. So just right. I'm talking about just overall yeah. just taking supplements and getting, yes. you know, getting your greens in or whatever. I don't, it could be a numerous amount of things, but it's just, you know, just do it all in moderation just be in a positive mindset, listen to podcasts like this, get a fertility coach like yourself, you know, have the right things in your life that really can help you walk you through this process and, and get you to the point too, where if you are not, um, if you're in a position where it's time to, to, you know, say, okay, I've, I've done as much as I can. It's time to like, say, I got to close this chapter. You know, it's like, just, just, be aware of that too. You know, you yeah. have to be cognizant of your mind through all this, because if you're not like, you're never, it's like, you can't live your whole life miserable because yeah. of like this. And, you know, I read this, this one line and it was called, um, I think it's called, it was called the Tao of fertility. Hmm. And I remember this one line and it stuck with me so intensely. And they said, do you want to be a mother or do you want to be a biological mother? And that one really like just struck me because it was like, it was one of those things where it was like, I was so wanting to have this biological child. And it was like, I had to learn to surrender and let go and let God and say to God, whatever your will is for my life, whether that is a biological mother or whether it is a mother in some other form, whether it be um, uh, adopting a child, whether it be something else, some other way, right. some other form, uh, stepchildren, uh, a firm mom. I mean, literally, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like yeah. what, whatever it is, you have to surrender it to the universe and to God. And you have to let go and let, you know, it doesn't, if you don't believe in God, I get it. Let go and let the universe then, you right. know, you have yeah. to at some point do that. And that, I swear to you, and that was in my podcast I talked about, that alone, I swear to you, is what allowed the miracle of Skylar to come into my life. Because yeah. it wasn't until I surrendered it and let it go that it, it finally came to me. I was holding on yeah. to it so tightly, yeah. so badly that I really honestly believe it was causing turmoil in my body. Right. And and many people have say the same thing. And I think if you're having a hard time figuring out, like, what does surrender mean? How do I get there? Like, I, you, because you, you're so conflicted about how to even go about doing that. And you know, you hear this over and over, right? People say it, find somebody that can help you get to that point. Listen to a podcast, like Gretchen said, talk to somebody who's gone through it. There are so many avenues to be a mom now, which are amazing. Um, and then, as you mentioned, if you decide that it's time to close this chapter and that's not for you, allow yourself to grieve that process yeah. because yeah. you really do need to grieve that in a very proper way in order to move on because you don't want to hold that resentment towards yourself or anyone else later down the line. And people can help you through that process too. Yeah, that's so true. Now, do you offer all of that help through your coaching program? Yeah, we do miscarriage loss, all of the things, you know, it's such a crazy oh, wow. journey, right? And having somebody to help you through that process just 
makes all the difference through yeah. it. And I, I mean, I, I don't mean to like sidetrack, but I'm so yeah. curious about this. So do you, I mean, do, is that heavy for you like to carry? Cause like I, it was so hard for me just going through my own stuff and I'm such an empath, like to the yeah. point where like, I have to like shed people's emotions. Cause I can walk in a room and just feel it feel it all same so because like before so many people are like you should be doing fertility coaching i'm like oh no way like i don't think <laughs> i could use because i think i would i don't know if i would actually help the person because i'd be like crying on the phone with them yeah <laughs> yeah so i mean is that so heavy sometimes i mean it's like high highs and low lows yeah. right so when you get yeah. the positive pregnancy test and the ultrasound pictures and yeah. everything it's like nothing else yeah. is amazing yeah. right um but then obviously there is a hard road but i feel i'm so like this is my calling now yeah. right so yeah. it's like my honor to be showing up for somebody to help them through the journey yeah. um, because i know how hard it is and yeah. it, it does make a difference again there's I'm a numbers person and there's studies that show you're 55% more likely to get pregnant if you're getting help through it. That's not one five, it's five five from a Harvard study. So it's it's proven that it helps and you know, you just feel better, right? Yeah. The people constantly say, I just feel calmer going into whatever yeah. it is. And you know, some it's okay for us to surrender to asking for help too, right? Yeah. We're so conditioned type a like i can do it all myself i got this you know and you want to be strong and you know what this it's hard yeah. and it's okay it's it's okay to not be okay for a minute right 100, 100. and you know it's funny you say that because technically i mean i feel like i've been a little bit of like a fertility coach because i have so many people yes that have friends that say can my friend call you can this and i end up spending just hours with them or then they call after an implantation or this or that or whatever yeah. you're right because when i get the phone call or it's amazing. It's like, oh, like I'm like screaming and like, going and like so excited for them. So I, totally. I, it's the best. I understand like the, the best feeling in the world. And then they're just like, thank you. If it wasn't for your advice, I might be not, would have not done, you know, and I'm like, yeah. no, not me, trust me. But it's still like, it makes you feel just so good. Cause you're like yeah. just a little bit that I could maybe share with you or help you with, or just you know, this one choice that maybe you didn't know to like do to like help, you know, so I get what you're totally. saying. Totally. It's amazing. It's so, it's so fun. But yes, I am also an empath. So I understand it's, so I do, I have kind of my routine of clearing the energy and doing all the things before um, and asking my angels guides, all the things Jesus to help me through the process. So yes, it's, it's an interesting journey, but it's definitely one that needs to be continued to have a voice and people have this awareness that you're not alone and it is okay. And you will get through it. It seems like you won't, but you will. Um, yeah, and it really yeah. does feel like you're the only person going through it. Like you're yeah. just, you feel like it, 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 and you know, of course it always feels like when you're going through it, everyone around you is getting pregnant. You're just right. like, what in the world is going on? Like it's in right. the water and everybody else is pregnant. And you know, you're the one person that, you know, like I remember even my best friend, we were talking about, you know, trying to get pregnant. That was my very first round. And it was like, she literally decided that she was going to try it. And two weeks later, it was like, okay. Yeah. Even I think she took, take, took like three months to even tell me because she just was right. like, I didn't want to like make you sad, which I, you right. know, I still appreciate, but like the truth is, is that, you know, I'm, I'm the girl that no matter what, like I'm going to show up for you and I'm going to be sitting there being your cheerleader and I'm going to show up to your baby shower and, you know, be so happy for you. And then I'll go in my car and cry. Not, not because I'm not happy for you, but because it's, you right. know, because it's like all those things you're like, gosh, I, you know, I was looking forward to the day that was going to be my baby shower. And right. you know, it's just all the things that remind you that you don't have yet. Right. And so it's always hard, you know, it's, yeah. it doesn't matter, but I was never the girl that was like, this is too hard on me and I can't be around you. And that's okay. Yeah. Because meaning there's some people that need that, but I just, right. I can, I can never do it. Yeah. It's such a strange thing to be sincerely happy for somebody, but also feel like it's a yeah. kick in the stomach for you. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah. it's a weird feeling. For sure. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really sincerely appreciate your time. And I'm so glad we finally got to connect. I know. Sorry, this has been a long, long time coming. So no, it's, it's been out. great. And I also wanted to just say too, I'm so sorry for your and Slade's loss. I mean, it's, thank you. Yeah. I can't even imagine that. Um, yeah. So I hope you guys are doing okay. For a long time, but you know, we finally just this last month, um, 
kind of got back into just life. You know what I mean? But, and, and honestly, the truth is, is that with Skylar, you, you just realize like, you can't, you can't like, you right. can't just sit around and, and be sad every day because you have this beautiful little life that you have been yeah. with and you have the responsibility of. And, you know, thankfully she's the one thing that has kept us really going in, and more so, you know, Slade. I mean, Slade mm -hmm. was just not doing well. And he's still I can't, I'm well. sure, I'm sure. I don't even know. So give him a hug from me. And now you guys have somebody special watching over all of you all the time, which is pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all so right. Nice to Thanks, you. Gretchen. Talk with you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.